Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence. I appreciate you clicking on this particular episode. Hang out with me. Some fun stuff. And a really great conversation is on tap for you. I love when I get an opportunity to talk with people that I haven't really talked to. You know, sometimes you you end up with these friends that you have online. These friends that you have when it comes to Twitter and Instagram. Annie Costable of the Sun-Times is that. Like, I like her work, so I think I followed her, and then she followed me back, and we occasionally, like, interact on Twitter. I have not met Annie yet. COVID has kind of been a big reason, because, you know, you're not going out to as many events or whatever. But I haven't met her yet, but I really like her work, because she's done a great job for the Sun-Times covering the sky. So I was talking WNBA. Occasionally I do that on the show. And I made a point about the All-Star game and how I like the idea of it of it moving to Las Vegas. Like someone had brought it up, like moving it to Las Vegas and having it be the kickoff for NBA Summer League. And Annie was like, eh. I don't know if that's something that's going to necessarily fly with the players. So I said, oh, okay. So we kind of went back and forth on DMs talking about it. It was all, you know, above board. It was great. And so I said, instead of us going back and forth on DMs, why don't we talk on the podcast? Because then we could have like a full-fledged conversation and talk about it. She was like, bet. So that's what we're doing. I want to talk about the NBA All-Star Game, the WNBA All-Star Game, its connection with Summer League, if possible, if it makes any sense. And there's a particular, there's something that I didn't like that happened with the WNBA All-Star Game this weekend that I want to talk with Annie about. It has to do with two of the best players in league history, both of them being in their last All-Star Game, and one of them getting a lot more shine than the other, even though... The other one had the play of the game. So from the Sun-Times, and if you not, if you don't have a subscription to the Sun-Times, you should get one, mainly because that's where Annie writes, and she does a great job. Annie Costable, joining me here on the House of L podcast. Hey, 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 I feel like this is so overdue, and I'm so excited we're doing this. This was overdue, <laughs> that, that you should be on House of L and hang out with me and talk buckets and stuff. So... Thanks for for hitting me up. I always appreciate when I can get checked on a subject by someone <laughs> who's got boots on the ground. So while before we get to that part of it, 
let's talk about where the WNBA, where the sky are at as we exit All-Star Weekend. What was All-Star Weekend like? First off, like All-Star Weekend, you know, despite its missteps, which I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into, all-Star Weekend from the player perspective was the best it's been in the history of the game. And I, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying that just because one player said that. I'm saying that because almost every player who, who spoke to the media said that. Sue Bird said that. Candace Parker said that. Kalia Copper said that. And obviously, you know, comparing Kalia to Candace and Sue's perspective is just different because obviously Candace and Sue are multiple All-Stars, you know, eight times, 13 times, caused in her second All-Star appearance. But it just gives you perspective of, of like players really felt a difference this year. And I think also a point to that is that, yeah, they're coming off COVID years. And then um, last year was was definitely open, but it wasn't as open. So I think that in general, you know, the energy was super high. Players really enjoyed themselves. You know, the parties that players threw were were really up. Um, so it definitely had, I think, the all-star energy that the WNBA is deserving of. Do you think that the buzz that the Sky has has put together here in Chicago helped to to make it a bigger deal? Okay, so this is so interesting to me because obviously being from the Chicago area, like Chicago sports, people just really either – like you have to win to be respected here, right? Like no one's going to show up unless you win. And so last year after the championship, you know, I wrote a lot about that, just comparing the sky to other teams and, and just how, yeah, fans in Chicago want winners as they do everywhere, but Chicago fans are intense. So I really do feel that after the sky's championship, there has been a complete shift. And again, I don't just say that because the players have been saying that or because the coaches have been saying that, but it's visible, you know, like I, I'm from the area. I've seen the transition and the difference. And so this all-star game compared to last year's that I covered in Vegas was very different because it had a community, you know, feel to it. Whereas when you're playing on the strip, that's not there. And also, yeah, you know, that that residual energy from a recent championship, you know, was absolutely on everybody's minds. And I think that's why everybody was a little salty that they couldn't get into some of these events planned by the league. What happened with the events? <laughs> and, and and I mean, like when I was starting to read some of the accounts of things that were moved inside and some things that didn't happen, I, I, I got to tell you, I got a little mad because I, I felt a very... I, it felt like, what about Chicago? You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. that's the vibe that it gave off. So, from, you're talking to people all over this. What happened? So, the thing that's, like, really important to just consider or some context for it is that the WNBA isn't planning these events, the, this, this marquee event, two years in advance like the NBA is or, or multiple years in advance like the NBA is. There's a different, you know, setup to it in that, they have to pursue markets to host the event. It's just not met with that same, we want to host the event, right? Like, because the WNBA is still working to, to um, you know, make very positive revenue off of these events. So that contributes to it being scheduled later. So the planning for this began in October, November, 
And by the time that they had settled on Chicago being the host, Wintrust Arena was already booked to host an event for Pampered Chef on, I believe, Friday and Saturday. It wasn't available to even get into until 7 p.m. on Saturday night. Like not, oh, they could have had the event at 7 p.m. on Saturday night. Like nobody could set foot in there until 7 p.m. on Saturday night. So that contributed to, you know, the event, the skills and the three-point contest being held at, um, gosh, McCormick Place. And the reason the league saw that as, okay, well, we don't want to host it somewhere else, like, you, you know, a different venue or we don't want to host it in a different city is because they saw the opportunity to partner with Nike nationals and make it something that the AAU players could get in on with their ah, family and friends. Okay. So it made sense from like that perspective, but it didn't make sense from a revenue perspective because when you're talking about like Allie Quigley playing in her or competing in her last three point contest, which I mean, she said that last year, this year, after making history, it seems a little bit more legit. Um, you know, that event, I, I think would have sold well. And from fans reaction, it seems like, you know, it definitely would have sold well. So it just, it, it, there's a lot of factors at play. And the biggest one being that they don't plan these like years in advance. Okay. All right. It, it just, it kind of, the way that it came off when I was listening to the commissioner, talk about it like particularly the the chance the rapper concert oh yeah 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 that right we could get into that yeah that so so what happened there because it didn't sound great so obviously by the time we talked to the commissioner on sunday there's already been a ton of fan reaction to the lack of of planned events and events open to the general public one of them being the outdoor concert you know that chance the rapper held and that event was again only open to um, players from Nike Nationals, their families, um, players in the W, and their friends and families, and then I believe some, you know, corporate sponsors, etc. And so, when asked about what, where the league kind of mis- misstepped in terms of planning these events, like what the reason was that some of these events weren't open to the public, specifically. Um, this reporter asked in reference to the Chancellor Rapper com- concert, and Commissioner Engelbert said or attributed it to a, a concern over over a security concern, specifically over gun violence. And you know, she didn't she didn't single out Chicago. She mentioned Chicago. She mentioned Uvalde. She mentioned Buffalo. She mentioned multiple mass shootings that have taken place recently. But she also said that there were conversations that took place between the CPD and WNBA, NBA security, and that they were advised by security um, entities, including the CPD, to limit outdoor events, which as a lot of us have seen, WTTW reported on that. I was able to confirm that with a CPD spokesperson this morning. That was not, the CPD did not say that. They did not advise them to limit their outdoor events. So that was just inaccurate and, and a lot, you know, actually just a, a lie. Yeah, especially considering that the taste of Chicago happened to be going on at the exact same time. And right down the street. Right down the street. And you had, uh, I think Lincoln, Lincoln Square had an outdoor event this past weekend. So 
I, I mean, I know that all of us are trying to mitigate any type of circumstance that's going to put people in danger. And after Highland Park last week, I completely understand it. But it felt right. like it felt like my city was getting blamed for something that it didn't do. It definitely, um, you know, has not been cleared up. You know, there hasn't been much clarification um, even since then. You know, I've reached out to the league to try and get clarification on Kathy's statements and, and haven't heard back. So, you know, whether she didn't want to say it was more of a planning issue or there was just what the reason was, but but saying that they were advised by the CPD was not true, according to the CPD. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's get to 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 you reaching out to me. So I'm on the air. <laughs> okay. Wait. Wait. So let me just preface this by saying <laughs> I had seen a tweet about WNBA All Star teaming up with Summer League. So I went to practice with the intention to talk to players and Coach Wade about their perspective on this. Right. So I'm leaving practice and then here, you know, you guys on 670. And I'm like, okay, I just have, I have to DM Lawrence right now because this is just what the players are saying. Okay. So uh, th- so, there we go. There we go. All right. So there was, there was a tweet saying that, that the WBA all-star game should act as like the jump off to NBA summer league. And when I saw right. it, I was like, man, that, that actually seems like a really good cooperative idea of where the, the WNBA All-Star Game being in Las Vegas, like it's a big thing, and Summer League is becoming a thing now, apparently, in the NBA. It would be a fun thing. And you were like, well, maybe not so much. So what, what, what are the drawbacks to doing something like that from the league and the players' perspective in the WNBA? Okay, so I just got to plug myself here, but there's going to be a story about this, like diving into it a little bit in tomorrow's paper. So make sure you pick up the Sun-Times tomorrow. But um, yeah, I mean, from the player perspective, first off, again, going off of what was said about this WNB All-Star weekend and it being a success in terms of players establishing partnerships with different brands all weekend, um, different parties they were able to host, et cetera. The idea that the WNB WNBA needs to team up with off is a little bit, you know, is weak because uh, again, despite the missteps that happened this weekend, players were still able to see success and enjoy themselves and, you know, spread, spread the energy of their league without the NBA needing to essentially like sponsor or, or, be there, you know, a bullet point on their marquee event. I think that, you know, a, a lot of people feel it's a little bit, you know, disingenuine. Like, why, why do they have to be, like I said to you, the appetizer to, to exactly your guys' words was, you know, glorified practice. And you're right. Like NBA Summer League is glorified practice. So the idea that the WNBA needs to be the, the intro to that is a little bit disrespectful in some people's eyes. That's fair. I, I, I wasn't looking at it from that point of view, which is why I'm glad you reached out. I kind of looked at it more of like celebration, you know, where, yeah. where here's because like one of the reasons that along with the great play and the incredible athletes that are in the, in the W uh-huh. I really like that the NBA players 
have said, you know, ball is ball. And they have been out there being champions for this league. I just looked at it as, wow, okay, here's a way to connect ball, like, in the middle of the summer. And it, I, I felt like it would be mutually beneficial. That's the way yeah. that I looked at it. And I think, like, I think a lot of people look at it that way. I mean, Sabrina Ionescu responded to that tweet and, and said, I love this idea. LeBron said he loved this idea. But, again, like, to pick up the Sun-Times to read the entire quote from James. <laughs> but he puts it, he puts it so well. And he says the same thing that you just said. The support from the NBA is amazing. It shouldn't stop. It's so appreciated. It's so valued. But how about if the NBA showed up for the WNBA at a different location? You know, what if LeBron and everybody showed up to Chicago this weekend for for Sunday's game before flying to Summer League? You know, and obviously the scheduling and all that, you know, comes into play. I don't know everybody's schedule. I don't know what their obligations are, but... How about the NBA shows up for the WNBA without it having to be in tandem with them? You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. I I I I see your point. I see your point, and I think that it it makes sense what you're saying. So I'm curious to see what ends up happening with this going forward, especially since this was overall a success here in Chicago. Before I I, I move to a, a, a more difficult subject. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah. What's your favorite non-Chicago WNBA city to go to? Ooh, 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 that's so hard. Hold on. I got to really think about this. Because, you know, like there's um, a lot of good places that are on the schedule. Uh, yeah. But, and, and like even Vegas, you know, being on the schedule. But I always, I always love to know what reporters, what places they love to go because I remember what it was like when I was on a beat. And the uh-huh. different places, like some of the places that I like going are not places that you would think. For example, when I cover the Bears, I loved going to Detroit. <laughs> like, it was so easy. <laughs> like, like first of all, I love downtown Detroit. And if you have not been to downtown Detroit in the last decade, you're in for a pleasant surprise. But it it's a 45-minute flight. You know, like the flight back, you get, yeah. you technically get back before you left. Um, <laughs> you go into a time vortex there. I, so, <laughs> the time vortex. And everything was close when you were in Detroit. Like you would just, you could just walk over to Ford Field and stuff. So right. it, it's, it's one of my favorites and it wouldn't be most people's favorite. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So I think my favorite is going to be kind of like a lot of people's favorites. And it's Vegas, and I'll tell you why. It's similar to your Detroit reasoning in that the Aces play in Mandalay Bay, so it's really convenient to just pop down from your hotel room to the game. You know, there's no chance of miss, you know, missing shoot around anything. You're just right there. Right. And also, like, I'm I'm not like a partier by any means, but when I travel, I like to eat good food. <laughs> that's you know, that's not. <laughs> 
that's not like around here. Like I'm a foodie. So when I'm in Vegas, I just like to eat. And I'm like so happy to be somewhere where there's so many options that, you know, I end up getting confused with what to choose choose from. No, so. that that that's what's up. <laughs> like that's a really good good choice. Like it, when I was doing play-by-play stuff for DePaul, uh-huh. we'd occasionally have a tournament in Vegas. And I yeah. I love that because now we're talking about, you know, November or December getting out of the city when it's starting to turn cold and being in a place that has, you know, world-class restaurants within walking distance of each other. Right, right. <laughs> like that is so appreciated. And, I mean, we got great food here, so it's not like I'm going without by any means. But I just, yeah, I love the ability to just walk downstairs and get some – some fancy meal to go and be able to just go chill up in in my hotel room by myself and enjoy that (laughs) no doubt no doubt about it um so when we were chatting on dm i was asking you a question like i did a whole thing on this on my show with dan we were uh, we were discussing it a couple days ago and and i was trying to figure out why in this this season where Sue Bird is is retiring, she deserves every flower that is thrown at her feet. Okay, I want to be very clear about that. I'm a huge Sue Bird fan, and I do feel like she has some appeal because of who she's married to, because of of what how good she is when she does interviews. That obviously is going to elevate her a little bit. But when you mm-hmm. look at the resume of Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles. There isn't any difference in there. Like those are these are two of the greatest players that have ever played. That right. makes me wonder why are we not seeing the same level of send-off for Big Sill that we're seeing for Sue Bird. So there's so many you know things we could dive into here, but I think the biggest thing to acknowledge first off is that the WNBA has had an issue with the way it publicizes its white players versus its black players historically and that's been changing a lot because of the the level of scrutiny that they've faced I've seen on social media just since you know I've begun covering the league but also you know when the league was established and and Sue talked a lot about this this weekend players were really expected to like live in this box of like you know feminine um, heterosexual, you know, identity. And it wasn't that, you know, they couldn't be themselves, but it also wasn't that they were entirely encouraged to be themselves. And first off, we're definitely seeing that change. But when it comes to a player like Sylvia Fowles, who, like you said, isn't, um, this extremely vocal person on social media, she isn't, um, you know, the, the future of uh or she isn't gonna you know retire and and have a, a show on ESPN with Diana Taurasi like everyone's predicting for Sue Bird it's it's there's definitely a a difference like you said in in the way that her her exit is being um is being depicted in the media and you know I think the league has done a bit of a better job of it but you know I heard from the broadcast or from people that were watching the broadcast that, you know, Sue Bird's exit from the All-Star game was acknowledged by the the WMB or whoever was broadcasting the game, but Sylvia's wasn't. And, you know, what exactly is the explanation for that? Is it just that Sue has 
this bigger um, persona on on social media. Like it, there's there's little explanation for it, but it continues to happen. Yeah, I, I remember I was watching the the ESPN documentary on the Dream Team, and they were talking about that. Like they were talking right. about how back then they they kind they never said it directly but they were pushing a lot of the women to be quote unquote more feminine and and right. more and like when they would be out in the public like Lisa Leslie talked a little bit about that right like you even specifically in that documentary you saw you know Don Staley getting pushed to buy a dress and and she's like visibly you know not <laughs> yeah, like Don don't play that. Dress. And y'all should have right. known that Don don't play that. And Don yeah, still like, don't play that. <laughs> and she has like so, the best style, arguably, you know, at, certainly of any coach in the NCAA, in my opinion, man or woman. Don Staley stays, you know, best dressed. But there was, I think, an energy that in order to attract a certain fan base, which now they see, I think they don't have to try and attract the same fan base as the fan base of the NBA. Right. Like, so now there's this, this support of individuality. And again, we're seeing that in different forms, especially, you know, in, in the way that the WNBA players dress the orange carpet. I think there are a few leagues that do, you know, an, a carpet better than the WNBA or, or a walk-in better than the WNBA, because again, they're not only expressing individuality, but they are, they're changing, they're changing politics with, with their style choices. They are certainly setting the standard when it comes to, you know, vocalizing opinions and supporting causes. And that's because they, in a sense, have, you know, nothing to lose. Whereas I think there's been this energy with men's sports leagues of like, okay, we have to follow, we have to follow this hierarchy of what we've always done and Mm -hmm. and you know we're getting paid exorbitant amounts of money so we have to make those people happy and the WNBA is like we're gonna do what's good for us like we're gonna do what's best for us because we've always had to protect the bag has been kind of the thing with a lot of male athletes over the last five to ten years no doubt about that listen I know you got to go but I want to ask you real quick specifically about the sky and Uh Last year, when you're looking at what was essentially a 500 team rolling into the playoffs <laughs> and going on that run that they went to, was right. is is this now, like the way that they're playing now, like the way that they're clicking now and from the playoffs on, is this what they expected to, to be last year before the playoffs? Oh, 100%. And like after free agency, when they signed, when James Wade signed Emma Miesemann, brought you know, Slute and, and Allie Quigley back, Cord, Kalia Copper, like every interview I did with them was, was that, that was said. They all, every single one of them was like, we want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. We want to prove that this is the team we should have been last year had injury not impacted our team. Because I mean, how many times do we talk to professional athletes and coaches and, and they're like, well, we could be doing this if this was happening. And you're like, yeah, yeah. But maybe you're just using that as an excuse. Like, I think the sky really wanted to prove, no, it wasn't an excuse. We, those injuries changed our entire team and we still won a championship. So now they're healthy and we're seeing, you know, they're, they're number one in the league. And 
when they, I mean, they're number one in the league and it's hard to really consider who, who could beat them in a series, you know, a game, sure. But in a series, like that's hard to consider who out of the rest of these 12 teams could actually take them out. Annie, I would, I want to invite you back on to House of L. I want to do like a proper episode where we can do your origin story and all of that. Um, But I really appreciate you jumping on and being here with me. This was fun and it was great. And I can't wait until we do the long form interview. Oh my God, I would love that. And I also just have to let everybody know I did not come for Lawrence and his DMs. I just was like, I just, like, I literally said, I said respectfully. No, it, look, look, I look, I am not, I am not above being corrected or challenged. And I appreciate, you know, you know this, like I appreciate the work that you do. So when it comes to getting intel from people who are actually on the ground, I'm for it. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you're you're in it. And and it makes me a smarter broadcaster. So even if you do have to come for me in my DMs, it's okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate you for not like yelling at me or taking that totally in the wrong context or, you know, harshly, um, you know, because yeah, I feel like communication is key. Hell yeah. Uh have fun covering the league. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you so much, Lawrence. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. All right, bye. That right there. Recording stopped. That right there is Annie Costable, and you can check out her work in the Sun Times. She's really, really good, and it's great. I'm, I'm really glad that we're seeing, like, the coverage of the sky has expanded. I don't think that it's totally because they won the championship. I'm glad the CHGO has some stuff. I'm trying to figure out, like, how, you know me, like, I'm trying to do it slowly. Like, I'm trying to have it infiltrate a little bit. You know, a mention here or a final segment there. That sort of thing. I keep trying to tell folks that if you're training your son or daughter, if they're a basketball player and they play point, they should be looking at film of Courtney Vandersloot. Yeah, they should be looking at film with Chris Paul, too, except don't tell them to hit people in the nuts the way that Chris Paul likes to do. Courtney Vandersloot is one of my favorite players, period. Like, legit, of all time. And watching her play point guard has been an absolute joy. Her approach to it is just dope. Like, her whole, like, her whole swag is dope. And I love the way that she's transformed herself she's a player that that went through some stuff to find where she's at right now and where she's at is being one of the best point guards who plays basketball so you know we, we like to do a little mission creep when we can so you know maybe we do a little bit more but I appreciate it I know golf is doing a lot of cool stuff on the full go too so there's a lot of places you can go to get content, which is great. Like that's the idea of there being so many podcasts and people working on beats. And I'm glad that Annie is getting her run. Like people take notice of of what she's doing. And that's good. They should be taking notice because she's really, really sharp. And she will be back. We're gonna do a long form proper episode with her. But that was cool learning more about the the W and 
kind of what players are saying. Sylvia Fowles thing does bother me. It really bothers me. And and I'm biased. I, I freely admit that, that I'm biased because I've interviewed her a couple times. She was really nice to me and very open about, like, being being interviewed. And I just don't think that she's getting her props. And it shouldn't be, like, for a four-time champion, uh, a, a four-time gold medalist, a two-time champion, a two-time finals MVP, a defensive player of the year, we should be jumping up and down and celebrating that woman's career. Like, she's a badass. No doubt about it. I only, I'm just scratching the surface. Like, I could, I could go down the list of her achievements. But just to give you an idea, finals MVP, league MVP, four gold medals, defensive player of the year, rebounding champion, multiple times. So I hope that as we get towards the end with Big Sill, that people people take notice um, and and give her her props because she deserves them. And then shout out to Annie for being available and coming on and hanging out and giving me a different perspective. That's really what it's about. That's why I love talking to people who report. There's a value in it. that When you're in the field, it gives you more context. That's very much needed. That's the sauce right there, Aurelio's Pizza. Really, anytime I say the name, I start thinking about it. You should order Aurelio's Pizza tonight. And if you're in Homewood or anywhere in the South Burbs, like I know that you, you could go to the Aurelio's in Tenley or in Frankfurt, but, you know, maybe you want to go to, to Homewood and get it out the old oven. It tastes so good. It's delicious. It's the sauce. All right, that'll wrap it up for me. As always, I thank you for listening. I really appreciate the support. If you haven't listened to the episode where I go through the Blackhawks rebuild with my man James Naveau, go back and listen to it. It's great, thoughtful, intelligent, in-depth stuff from Naveau. He's fantastic. And maybe we can figure out a way to do more stuff, like have him do some stuff with us. And have him do, like, more hockey stuff. Because I think he needs a podcast home. And damn it, we can give him one here, I think. Sports Adjacent lately has been off the chain. Please go listen to the latest episode. Because those boys are out of their damn mind. And you should go get a t-shirt from Homage. Homage is sponsoring the guys. And they've got some really great t-shirts. So if you like good retro stuff, you can get it at Homage. H-O-M-A-G-E. Trust me. Sports adjacent. They'll give you a discount code for it. See what I'm saying? I will talk to you next time, y'all. The pod worked exactly the way it's supposed to this time. Peace.